This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. So we're getting to the end of 2019 and we're doing a review of sorts of the Malaysian art scene over the last year. This week, we're focusing on the performing arts and joining me are actor Chako Varaketh, dance producer Bilkis Hijas and director, playwright Kairi Anwar. Thank you for joining me, guys. How's everyone doing? Very well, thank you. Very good. Very good. So how would you sum up the Malaysian performing arts scene in 2019? Best. <laughs> That's a good start, isn't it? Yes. Well, I don't know about theatre, um, but dance is doing very well, mm-hmm. although it's a pretty small scene. A lot of people often ask me, you know, where is the dance in Malaysia? Is there actually dance happening? And they're so surprised. There's a lot of dance happening, but yes, it's very small. Um, but we had some pretty exciting shows happening this year, so I was pleased. Um, are you, were you guys similarly pleased about theatre? I think I am because I think I think this year there's a lot of shows going uh, the, a good mix of bad and good shows lah of course but there's a good consistently, mix of bad yeah a good mix of bad and good shows I think I think if you are making arts uh, you need to really watch both good and bad shows for you to like mm. grow in some ways uh, but I think it's also interesting to see how the I think this year the Malay theatre and English theatre is kind of mixed up in a way uh, Malay theatre groups are doing shows in English theatre venues and vice versa so I think it's it's interesting year mm. yeah yeah I think uh, I think the word that comes to mind is haphazard you know there's lots of bits and pieces happening all over the place it's exciting because there's a lot of stuff and as a sort of Veteran, it's exciting to see a lot of young people coming up, and mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like there doesn't seem to be a direction, or mm. you know, it's hard to grasp what is happening. And I think that's one of the the problems I've had is to even as someone in the industry, it's hard to really find out and get an idea of what's going on and where to see it and when it's happening. Mm-hmm. What does a good year look like? What does that mean? To me, I guess a year when there were lots of different platforms for performance and lots of ways where artists from different parts of the community were able to express themselves Mm. Um, and also different audiences were engaged. And obviously, if you have a couple of really stellar works that came out of that, that to me is a good year. Mm. Any thoughts? A mix of quantity and quality and I Mm. think especially in theatre, if there's certain shows that really stood out and went, wow, this is so exciting, you know, I think that would be a a good year. Mm. Uh, As well as that, there's a lot of new stuff happening. Yeah, I think think the new stuff is very important, I think, because I I think uh, for for us to grow as an industry or a scene, we need a good number of new people coming up slowly, year by year. And also, it's very interesting to see, like... uh, uh, very experienced theatre makers like Joko Katas came back to do shows like at least two shows mm-hmm. in Deepak this year in Malaysia where she has been like in Singapore for like the past three, four years and that's very interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing is I think a good year would be where there is good funding. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. always that, good but I think yeah. I want to caution us against being too dependent on that no, idea yeah. that only good, good art only takes place when there's money behind it. I think mm. we do so much with so little mm-hmm. in Malaysia and I feel constantly that this 
this is something that we really should celebrate rather than sort of bemoaning. Mm. Well, we're definitely going to get to the question of money um, towards the second half of the show. But um, before we move into that direction, what were some of the best productions that you saw this year? Um, I'd like to sort of um, echo what Chaco and Kyrie have said about young people coming up. And I think we're also reaching that point in our arts ecosystem where, especially in the contemporary arts, in contemporary performing arts, we see the sort of first really prominent generation giving way to much younger practitioners. Mm. And this is the first time we've sort of seen this succession happening. And I think it's it's really optimistic to be able to, it's great to be able to see these young practitioners who I think are fantastic. So in my opinion, this year, there have been three particular choreographers who I think have really blossomed uh, this year. One of them is a faculty member at Aswara, which is the National Academy for Arts and Heritage. Uh, Ng Xin Ying, she was an Aswara student. She was also one of the most beautiful dancers that Aswara ever created. And now she's become this amazing choreographer, which is also a very unusual development because often really good dancers become not very good choreographers <laughs> um, because the talents that are required to be a good dancer are, are often completely opposite to the ones that are required to be a good choreographer. Um, and she's made some beautiful pieces this year. Um, a Choreographer from Kwangtung Dance Company is moving up in the ranks, uh, Ma Fung Ming. She's also made some wonderful pieces um, for some slightly unorthodox communities. She made a work for a group of high school students earlier this year and just this month for a group of dancers who use wheelchairs. And in both cases, I think she really showed an ability to draw out the capabilities of these dancers rather than focusing on their disabilities and create really beautiful works at the same time. And the third one is an Aswara student still um, named Ikram Azha, who made two really interesting works this year. One was a solo called Anna Ankat. The other one is a very large group piece, I think performed by like 35 dancers, Mm -hmm. um, called Canis Lupus Familiaris which was to some like 1950s crooners song and had this kind of strange performative group chorus and yet sort of undercurrents of political commentary Mm -hmm. and really kind of interesting, quirky, but intellectual work. So I think they're three people who are really worth watching and I really enjoyed their work this year. And what about for you, Kyrie? What were some of your highlights this year? Um, I think theatre. I think I think I'll, I'll, I'll uh, separate into two. Like one is like scripted work. Mine one is more like experimental, like scripted work. In Revolution Stage, they 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 re- they, they stage Alfian Saad Nadira in March, mm-hmm. and that was really interesting because it's quite hard to get uh, Alfian Saad's work being staged in Malaysia uh, in these few years. Yeah, um, it's been a while. It's it? been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, and when I saw Nadira, Nadira uh, I felt I felt connected to it because like yeah, Malaysian Singapore yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, Revolution Stage also the stage a Malay adaptation of Zoo Story by Edward Elby. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, but the 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 when when it's translated into Malay, the story becomes a bit a bit small. Uh, Weird because when I read it in English, yeah. So because of the translation and adaptation. Mm. Um, the non-scripted work may be Blank by Joe Kukatas. Mm. It was staged. Yeah, you watched that. I right? watched Blank. Yeah, I really yeah, so, enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah because the, the, the actors uh, 
didn't have any rehearsal, so they, they, they went on stage reading the script for the first time and just acted out. Mm. And that was very, very interesting. And another one is Matahari Jangan Tidur by Arif Amizan. Uh, yeah, so... That was a um, sort of a post-apocalyptic set-in-Malaysia kind of place. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I didn't get what he wants to portray, but the visuals were very stunning. Uh, and even though there's no... Uh, linear narrative to the show I feel that the audience can really be very like immersed yeah immersed yeah. into the show mm. yeah quite because I'm, I'm I'm a very scripted person I like realism work but it's very rarely for me to get like very very into this non-realistic stuff so mm. yeah and Chaco <laughs> I think the show that particularly stood out for me was uh, To Which My Brother Laughed mm-hmm. Uh, by presented by the actor studio Seni Theatre Raya. Right, and I think yes. they've really nurtured some exciting directors and new productions. Um, and that was by directed by uh, Jit mm-hmm. Tumjit Yang. Mm-hmm. And in response to the two women who were caned in yeah. Tringanu. And, but right. it was devised. Mm. So I think the actors, they all worked together to create it. But it was very theatrical very powerful, very moving, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I, I was just blown blown away by it. might have gone on a little bit too long, but uh, I think the moment that really stood out for me was at one point, you know, the mm-hmm. whole thing was, uh, I think they start by saying there were some comments about, why is there all this fuss? It was only like 10 minutes of caning, you know, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly everybody stops, and then you're thinking, it's sort of after maybe an hour and a half is gone. Mm-hmm. So I suddenly thought, oh, is the play over? Are we meant mm-hmm. to clap? Are we... And you're just sitting and waiting and the actors are frozen and staring at you and you just wait and wait and wait. Mm. And finally minutes. you realise that was the 10 oh minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. At some intervals, there's like, like, a, like, a, like a drum beat or something to While initiate. Like, su- well, while they are silent to, to initiate. Uh, to, to, to indicate the caning. To indicate the caning. Wow. Yeah. I just thought... It was, you know, and people were getting up from the audience mm. and going and standing mm. with the actors, sort of like in solidarity. You know, people didn't know what to do and yeah. what was going on. And it was like that a lot of people amazing. in tears. And mm. It was just very powerful. Yeah. Mm. I think the other one that stood out for me, but it's a repeat, is Kandang, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which I'd missed the first time round. And the second time, you know, mm. I was really thrilled to see it. And I think Omar Ali is very mm. exciting in what he does. And, yeah. And it was so beautifully created, you know, the music, the choreography, the the text, which I think he and his late father wrote. Mm. So that, I was so glad I could see it and they staged it again. Yeah, mm. I missed the first staging as well. So I, I caught uh, this one and I was blown away. For mm. me, it was a highlight. And I think the third thing, which isn't a Malaysian production, is Phantom, you know, that was on. There's an old school thing. <laughs> it is. But, uh, and it was... You know, I suppose that because I've seen it in London years ago, so I wasn't like, oh gosh, it's so expensive. But my mother was so keen to see it, so mm. we planned to go. Mm. And unfortunately, in the end, she ended up in hospital, so she couldn't see it. <laughs> but I was amazed at how, ama- you know, beautifully they use the stage and the sets and the number of, the- you know, that Isana Budai, I think, had never been used like that before, mm. as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it's it's good to have these international productions coming through and and hopefully there's a bit of you know we learn and they share and mm. stuff but mm-hmm. well what didn't quite work 
Were there things that, well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that was bad, but, you know, perhaps mm. you had high expectations for, could have been better or had potential, didn't quite reach there. I don't know that to me I feel things didn't quite work. I mean, a lot of things don't work. That's just mm -hmm. kind of the nature of the beast is that art sometimes fails and it also needs to be allowed to fail. Mm -hmm. Not everything has to be a success. Um, but I think something that I notice looking at contemporary dance in Malaysia is that it's tied to making short works and not making full-length mm. works. And I was talking to a well-known choreographer yesterday and he said, but do we need to make full-length works. And I thought, well, maybe we don't. The reason we make short works is because we don't have the resources to make full-length works. We can't keep dancers in rehearsal for six weeks when we, aren't, we can't afford to pay them. Mm -hmm. um, we can't take a whole year to develop a piece. And often, but what that means is that you get short works that are really very good and very vital. Um, and some people, I think, would consider it a loss and a lack that we don't have a stable of really good full-length works. But again, I'm not sure that that's really a problem. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I think for me is maybe... Well, I don't know whether this, this is a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, but I think it's maybe like if one week we have like seven or eight shows going on at the same time and... and uh, I don't know whether we... We, we, we can schedule better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can schedule better uh, because theatre goers in Malaysia is very small and in hopes it will be, mm. it'll get better and be bigger in the future. But uh, I think, yeah, sh scheduling, I think, and like uh, Revolution Stage, they have like a, a, a stage in Damansara Utama and they, they have a show, they have shows going on every week. Mm. So whether that will actually make the whole quantity quality thing a bit more, because when, when, because when they have shows every week, I think they, they will compromise a bit on the quality side. Mm. Because they, they it's almost like repertory theatre. Yeah. Of, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think but also it gets people used to the idea that theatre is a thing that happens regularly and you can go mm. and see it mm. regularly yeah. and it can be part of your normal life rather than being this really special thing. Yeah, well, yeah. And that following on from that, I think my pet peeve with shows is sometimes it becomes overindulgent and... It just goes on and on and on, and you as know, you like, mentioned before, things need to know when to stop. <laughs> right? You know, and and sometimes maybe the direct, you know, if the director is too close to the product, mm. uh, you know, somebody else needs to say, uh, look, you know, you only need an hour and a half, and mm. what you can't say mm. in that length is not worth saying, or something. I don't mm. know, mm -hmm. but that, um, but the thing that I think we need more of is that theaters should be destinations in itself. You know, like Kale Pack, the other thing, you know, if I'm in a show there, often after the show's over, I want to hang out with my friends who've sure. come a family and there's yeah. nowhere to go because mm. the two restaurants, they're shut at 10.30 or 11. Mm. And I have to really sort of go on my knees, please stay open. And then, and then mm. on that note, it's not just about that, right? Accessibility for a lot yes. of these spaces mm. are so difficult. Yes. Yeah. Even in Istana Budaya, um, mm. you know, unless you're, unless you're going to take a train home at, you know, one thirty at night, which I don't think you can. No, um, no. you know, you're either stuck taking a grab or, or driving. And yeah, I mean, there. now the yeah. MRT station is yes. coming up next door, yeah. so that mm. should get better. But yeah, because I did once wrote an article a long time ago when uh, Esplanade Theatres in the Bay opened, and that's got like I think it's raffles, mm -hmm. uh, 
MRT city station hall. and like yeah. t- city hall and about 10 different bus routes that go right mm. past yeah. it and things. Mm. And we, you know, I checked with the Southern Buddha and they said, oh, you have to go to GH and get off at Jalampahang yes. and then walk through the hospital mm. and then take the and overhead bridge. Somehow cross the six lane highway. <laughs> There's an overhead bridge. There is a bridge, pedestrian bridge. Mm. But the buses on Tun Razak itself are very limited, mm. you know. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, that, it's so difficult. Mm. Yeah. Well, we do need to take a break. But um, when we come back, I would like to go more into sort of the trends and the themes that we saw happening this year. Mm. I'm speaking with actor Chako Varaket, dance producer Bilkis Hijaz and director playwright Kairi Anwar. And we're looking back at the Malaysian performing arts scene in 2019. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. It's uh, very nearly the end of 2019 and we're doing a wrap-up of what the performing arts have been like over the past year. And joining me are actor Chako Varkith, dance producer Bilkis Hijaz and director playwright Kairi Anwar. So we talked a little bit about what we liked, what we didn't like and... Um, what I found quite interesting was this, um, most of the things you picked that you liked were younger productions or up-and-coming uh, up and coming sort of theatre or arts makers. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, a, are we seeing a, a significantly different sort of work from the old guard? You know, are we seeing a divide in some sense? Well, something, you know, I mean, the other show that I, quite enjoyed was uh, Man for All Seasons mm-hmm. but it's been mm-hmm. done before yeah. mm-hmm. and I know Actors Studio is having their 30th anniversary yeah. and they're mm-hmm. doing shows they've done before but sometimes I think you know okay it's great but there's so many new exciting productions even if it's not Malaysian mm-hmm. but stuff that has been done in the West End or anywhere else mm-hmm. let's have some new stuff coming up you know but that was a strong production especially mm-hmm. the the two leads like Patrick Teo and Charles Connolly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the set was also gorgeous. And, you know, and, and I thought, gosh, it's still so relevant mm-hmm. today. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I think we need some new stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think we can have both. I mean, I'm, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. I'm not against bringing back old things. And I think sometimes we also don't remember because you've been watching theatre yeah, for a long time and you remember yeah. these works. Yeah. But a lot of the younger generation who Haven't. are new audience don't know that this is kind of part of our theatrical mm. heritage. And earlier this year, as part of that 30th anniversary of Actors Studio, I produced a three-day festival um, for Dance Box and brought back a lot of dance pieces, some of which were sort of 20 years old. And yeah, they do look dated, but mm. it is also really useful to have that as a touchstone for current dancers to see this is where you came from mm. and this is the work that was being made in the 80s mm. and um, and how how we have developed and moved and changed, not necessarily got better maybe, but become different from then. And I think that historical awareness is also part of art making. Mm. Kyrie, how connected are young theatre makers to uh, that, what came before? Is there, is there a, a conscious sort of um, desire to connect, reinvent, and, or even just become familiar I think I think I agree with Bill Kiss and and Chaco because uh, for example like uh, what's that sh- show that Joe ICT did in uh, oh, Gold yeah for example like uh, when you do theater and you constant consistently creep keep creating shows you will eventually learn about about the very experienced and legendary uh, creators mm-hmm. like Joko Kata Jet Murat so when these shows have been staged like 
10 years 20 years 30 years ago and then this new this new theater makers does have heard of it but never seen it when it's being staged again everyone i think most of mm. our everybody the, goes the, right everybody it's goes. really interesting yeah. to see yeah. that the yeah. audience yeah. 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 They've heard of it. Yeah. yeah yeah so so i think it's interesting but but we can we can surely see there's a different way of theater making from the older generation and the new generation mm. i think the new generation is much more minimalistic I think in terms of sets, in terms of costume, mm. for example, like Kandang, they only use like one, the the batik thing to create like a horn. The horn. Yeah, 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 and mm. and create different animals on stage, and then maybe the, the the older generation wants to make like a very well built set on stage to 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 make the whole theatrical experience mm. being heightened up. Yeah, so I think it's not a bad thing. I think I really want to watch. Uh, like I, I I miss Man of All Seasons. I really mm. want to watch it. I have EDL. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's a good mixture. Mm-hmm. But theme wise, the theater making wise, we can really see the the difference on how they make and we make mm. these days. What are some of the themes or, or or subjects that were that popped up? Were there commonalities that you saw in the in the works that were being made last year? Uh, I think something that continues to be important in contemporary dance is making site specific work. Um, which Malaysian dancers have been doing for a long time. Um, I've been running a platform for site-specific work called Dancing in Place for 10 years, and Jammu, which is the faculty showcase at Aswara's Faculty of Dance, um, over the weekend, theirs was also site-specific. And I think the working outside the theatre and putting performing arts in new spaces where also passers-by can see it, not necessarily you know, con- convinced theatre-goers, um, is something that continues, and I think it's also a cheap way to mm. make art. Uh, the problem with it, of course, often is that you then have to get authorization, and <laughs> getting authorization can be a little challenging. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I would like to tell the people in charge that, you know, you don't have to give us money, you don't have to give us buckets of support, but it would be really helpful if you could just get out of our way and let us do our <laughs> things without too much. Uh, you know, prescriptions and Formality. oversight and formalities yeah. and, and difficulties that we have to slog through. Yeah. But yeah. I kind of wish that people or art makers can actually respond to the new government a bit more this year. Mm. I, 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 well, well, again, Joe did the main nine show. So that memang responded mm. to, 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 to the new government thing. Mm. And I did politic. Uh, but other than that, I don't know any other theater makers or art makers responding to that this year mm. and dance well. it's been very it's very my slow bro- to happen yeah. and my brother laughed as, to a specific, to a specific event, mm. event. Yeah. yeah and I think uh, which was yeah because when I did the last year's wrap up um, a lot of what I heard were you know we expect for there to be more works yeah. responding to the new government um in visual arts I think that did pan out a little bit but mm. yeah in performing arts not something I saw enough of I thought mm. um, why do you think that might be I don't know. Maybe people are still scared. I don't know. I I, I cannot comment on well, that. Well, people are still a bit exhausted by the fact that mm. oh, we had to do so much just to get this new government. And now can we just have a bit of a rest for a while? <laughs> or I think people are a little disappointed. I you think know? people Because are I think there was so much hope. Yes. And, and I think the arts community mm. really did go all out to bring in this new government. Yeah. And then to suddenly say, oh, we've been, yeah. you know, what's happening? And why is there sort of this backlash on okay. I think I think community. to be honest, they, maybe there's there the, the wasn't show there weren't shows that that responding 
to to the new government thing. But I think there have been discussion like reformasi. They mm. they've been trying to talk to like. The, the, but that's the thing they're trying to talk but there hasn't yeah. really been an open like okay let's yeah. talk let's see how we can make it together mm-hmm. let's see how we can open up more space or more dialogue mm. or uh, more commentary you know mm. on yeah. what's going on I mean Jabatan Kabudaya and I think has <coughs> been reaching out to people about updating the cultural policy which dates back to 1970 mm-hmm. um, which direly needs an update and but they have been working on this for some time they were working on it during the Najib government mm. and still there has not seemed to be very much movement mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be very much consensus and there doesn't seem to be very much leadership on this issue and it would be really nice to see that mm. so on that note though there are very different performing arts circles in malaysia aren't there i mean divided by all sorts of things the least of which would be language i think mm. are the struggles similar does there need to be more of a point of unification for all of these different um, segments to come together and work towards some sort of a unified goal mm. well i think something that Kyrie brought up is at scheduling at least <clears throat> if the different um, uh, people involved could at least communicate and have sort of a shared calendar or something so we don't clash too much mm-hmm. and then there could be some cross fertilization that you know they inform each other of what's happening because I think people even in the arts community would like to see other shows and often we don't know you know what's going mm. on or full also things happen with a very short lead time so yeah. a show pops out of nowhere yeah. and exactly. you, know, you had no idea yeah because our our runs are usually very short yeah. and then especially dance probably very is even short, short. Yeah. yeah so that's the common complaint i get from uh family and friends and stuff who say oh, i want to see your show but oh my gosh it's by the time we hear about it it's over you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah kairi you know as someone who works with both malay and english theater mm. um do you see those kind of strict delineations starting to break down yes i mean i mean the border is like breaking down mm. which like uh, for example like chris ling directed uh, wangi jadi saksi which is a script written by ua in the 19 no it's, it's 2000 so yeah so so chris directing a totally heightened malay language just like shakespearean malay version of it uh, in store theater dbp i don't think any english like English mm. theater makers has ever done shows in store theater DBP before uh, and that was very interesting uh, uh, and then I think that the language barrier is going down a bit by the new theater makers because when, whenever they write new scripts they will actually integrate like uh, there's Malay, 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 Malay and then there's like uh, our style of English roja in the script also I think that that's nice mm. but also subtitles are becoming Yeah, standard, right? Yep. Mm. So. And I think the audience is so warming up to the idea of not necessarily needing to completely understand and yes, with better subtitling it it makes things a lot easier as well. Mm. What's happening in dance in terms of these sort of divisions. separate divisions? I think the thing that we see most clearly now is less a kind of language community division and more a geographical division. Mm. Um and i think it's difficult for the klang valley arts community to remember that there are other other malaysian <laughs> arts communities out there um who don't appreciate us monopolizing the airwaves um in penang in johor bahru and i think in- increasingly in east malaysia mm. and it would be my hot tip for the next decade that sabah is going to be 
a, especially in dance, a community that makes great strides mm. and is really, really active and is worth checking out. Mm. So it's, it's, I'm glad you mentioned decade because it is going to be the long awaited 2020 next year. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to kind of do the whole 2020, what do we want for the next 10 years projection, although I kind of do as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's start with what we want to see more of in the coming year and mm. then see if we can expand in terms of what we'd like the the performing arts scene to be in the next 10 years? I don't know. I think think theme-wise, because 2020 is, I think, it's a huge thing for all Malaysians. Mm -hmm. 2020 was, right? I hope, I don't know again, because people haven't been responding to the new government, I just hope that people will be responding to the Wawasan 2020, even though it's not there anymore, even though uh, our Prime Minister, current Prime Minister has switched it to 2030. Uh, but if you're a particular generation, everyone yeah. grew up with Wawasan mm. Doplo Doplo. Yeah, I think people responding to that will be very, very, very interesting and exciting for next mm. year. What is the Wawasan for the arts? You know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I think we need to have a vision and need to know where we want to get to mm. uh, in the next 10 years or even the five years and mm. how we're going to get there. And obviously funding is an important aspect of it, but it's also venues, it's... Um, the freedom to express and to comment, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. feel safe that you can do that. And I think that creates a much more informed society, but it's also nurturing audiences. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that the arts community did spearheaded by Five Arts Centre was to do this Reform Artsy mm-hmm. initiative. And they had a town hall meeting in October last year. And uh, from that, you know, they wanted to look at bringing arts into education and also opening up venues and opening up the ability to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this year, I think a lot of the arts community have been sort of rather taken aback that the funding for the performing arts, if, you know, or was, or for the arts was just 15 million of which yeah, 10 the million arts were, in general was yeah, 15 million under e- the budget. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I think or maybe only 5 million was to the performing arts specifically. Mm. Well, 5 million was to Chandana and then the, the 10 million was to Think City. Yeah. So mm. depending on what they choose to use those for, mm. um, yeah, well, perpetual issues. Perpetual funding with, yeah. issues, yes. <laughs> but I think thanks for bringing up Reformatsu, Chaco. Uh, Kyrie and I are both actually on the committee mm, for okay. Reformatsu. Um, yeah, so it's trying to address issues, three separate areas, um, primarily financing and funding, um, uh, arts in education. Mm. And I think there is some movement towards that. I think there is also some acknowledgement within the educational environment that the arts is really part of preparing a student for this next decade and it's not about hafal hafal all Mm. the information Mm. which is you can get that from google it's Mm. about creative thinking Mm. um and the third part is freedom of expression and Mm. certainly i would like to see uh more flexibility more discussion and more understanding of freedom of expression issues in the arts in the next decade i think actually it's kind of unlikely that it will happen but that's what I'd like to see. The other thing I'd like to see more of is artists and the arts community engaging more strongly with the climate change crisis mm. and really putting that on the front burner rather than the back burner. Mm. If you get another one, I think, sure. I think for, for 2020, I think I would like to see a lot more arts critics or theatre critics. Yes. And, and, then, and then because I think... Oh, you and me both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think that is one of the ways we can actually 
promote the art scene in general also. Susah lah jadi yeah, and then, and Nobody likes you. Also, nobody wants to pay you. Yeah. So, for you to critique and for people to learn not to macam, eh, kenapa kritik aku punya show? <laughs> kind of way. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Chaco? Well, scheduling, you know, like, I think it'd be great to have a one-stop center where you know everything in the arts is set out and listed and you know you have an idea so th- i think critics and reviews and things also come in so you mm. can gauge what mm. you may want to see or previews or something like that and for mm. the audience as well because i think again and again mm. i find audience members being like where can i find information yeah. and there mm-hmm. is nowhere to That's, go it is for the they audience they want yeah. to go to the arts yeah. but they just need to be enabled to do it and mm. it is hard for them and uh, kakisuni i think was initially set up for that purpose the early the early kakisuni yeah <laughs> and in the old days used yeah. to get that you know weekly email and yeah. it really was a comprehensive guide to what's going on and where and and there would be reviews and things tagged on mm. i mean they have a website and it's mm. it's got a lot of shows on it but uh you know obviously it's an issue of funding and yeah. manpower and stuff of of yeah. course maybe uh, sendana can do that because they got like 5 10 million sort of uh, <laughs> i think it would be a really useful resource for the entire arts community not just mm. the performing arts community the visual arts community combined yeah. mm. and something that would be so valuable to all of us mm. it really is i think fundamental right mm. you know? yeah. so just to to wrap up right and i'm and i guess i'm kind of playing devil's advocate here mm. you know if we want to talk about 10 years mm. what is that aspiration in a way what is that wawasan you know do we have a model that we're aspiring to do we want to be a singapore you know what Please, is the idea no. <laughs> <laughs> but i think we can learn a lot from singapore, singapore but, no. <laughs> but, but in terms of that you know i think in the 80s you know when i came back from england and went to singapore it was so exciting because theater companies that were sort of struggling were suddenly getting housing they were getting basic funding so they could have like permanent staff and that was all from the national arts council mm-hmm. and it was where the government and the private sector came together and and provided you know funding and help nurture companies so i think that's really important mm-hmm. it is but i think it's also important not to depend on it and i think what we see happening we, it happened in europe over the past 10 years it's happening in australia now mm-hmm. is that those very established infrastructures supporting the artists are crumbling mm-hmm. are not just crumbling are collapsing and their arts community communities because they've been dependent on this funding for so long mm. are not able to function. Mm. And I think it's important to look at our arts communities and yeah, Actors Studio celebrating 30 years in St Cafe Theatre. Um all of these institutions that have existed for a really long time and have this really impressive sustainability to look at what they do right mm. and how they continue to survive in this difficult environment. And to celebrate that always, I think, mm. is really important. Mm. For sure, for sure. But at the same time, I think there is a a duty for the government to nurture the arts. And, yes, absolutely. You know. mm. Well, thank you very much. Um, you know, it was it's great chatting with you guys. But we are running out of time. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that this um, arts wawasan will be <laughs> something we can someday see. And, and thank uh, you to BFM for. Providing a space yes. oh. for for these issues to be raised. You're and, welcome. And we'll be back always. in 2030, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully, a little earlier. <laughs> Some of us That's might not be around. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, on that dire note, <laughs> I've been speaking to actor Chaco Vadiket, uh, dance producer Bilkis Hijaz, and director and playwright Kyrie Anwar about the performing arts in Malaysia in 2019 and a little bit.
bit about what we hope it's going to be in the upcoming years. So next Tuesday, the 31st of January at 3pm, we'll be looking at how the visual arts have fared over the last year. Enjoy the day off tomorrow. And to those who celebrate, a very Merry Christmas to you. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.